Hello, welcome to the Parent Panel. This is the show where we ask one mum and one dad about how they handle family life and to tell us what they think of the topics that are heating up in the parenting world. Our mum today is a writer and founder of a very popular website, and our dad is a morning TV presenter who is not only a dad, but a granddad five times over. Well, sometimes you catch yourself just being bossed around. You're going, wait, wait a second. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. <laughs> Neve one day took her nappy off and just rubbed it on the wall. Oh, wow. I kind of feel like parenting is a good antidote to my anal retentiveness. I think you're still in the trenches with your kids. I like the expression trenches. I sometimes call it the vortex. <laughs> the Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Our guests today are mum of three and founder of Mum Life, Bronwyn Mandel. Her children are 7, 10 and 14. Hi, Bronwyn. Hi. And David Kosh, TV TV host of Channel 7's morning show Sunrise, author of Koshy's 11-step money plan for a better life, father to four and granddad to five. Hi, Koshy. Hello. How are you? Thank you for having me. How on earth do you have time to write a book? Uh (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, wow. Uh, I know. But I, I love... Being busy, I love do, <laughs> I love doing new things, and I haven't written a book for for years. So um, I've always thought that, particularly finance books, can get a bit misleading because they get out of date so quickly. So um, when I was approached to do this book, I said we've got to overcome this issue. So it comes with a weekly newsletter as well, a free oh, newsletter wow. if you buy the book. So and it's my thoughts. Each week on what I think is important. So you write for your the money. newsletter as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but have see, you told your children? That's my passion. Have, have you told your children this is affecting your um, grandparent duties? No, not at all. In fact, in fact, I'm doing school pickup after this, so oh. I'm a very processed person. Everybody's very good everything's granddad. got a box. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, today we're talking about yelling children, interfering mother-in-laws, and doing your kids' homework. First up, though, when is the right time to send your child to school? Where did all this come from? Library. The library? You've never set foot in a library. You're only four years old. Six and a half. You're four. Six and a half. If you were six and a half, you'd be in school already. I want to be in school. I told you I was supposed to start school in September. You wouldn't listen. Poor old Matilda. She can't get a break, can she? (laughs) Roald Dahl's famous character knew exactly when she was meant to go to school, but not every child or their parent has that certainty in Australia. Some states give parents the option of holding their child back, particularly if they are born in the first six months of the year. For example, my son Arlo turns five at the end of May, but I decided to hold him back from school until next year. A new study led by the University of New South Wales have called this the gift of time, as starting older has led to better outcomes for children. They also found that this is more likely to happen in affluent suburbs because parents can afford another year of childcare fees. Bron, your kids are older now. Did you hold any of your kids back from school? I did actually. Um, so we, our son went when he was turning six, um, and he's a May baby as well. But my daughter went when she was turning five, and she doesn't turn. She didn't turn um, five until June. So I've got one on the really young end of the scale, and one one who went earlier. And I got to say, never never thought twice about the one I sent, like uh, that I held back. 
and every single school day I question whether it was the right move to send her early. So really? I'm, I'm definitely pro hold back. Oh, interesting. Uh, Koshi, was this something that you experienced when you were Oh, absolutely. I don't know. <laughs> we, we've got two, one um, whose birthday is in January, one in February, one in March and one in May. So, <laughs> wow. so I have no idea what happened that during the winter before or something, anyhow. Something, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, in retrospect... Um, and every child's different, um, and and you can't can't give blanket answers to this. Um, we wish we'd held our son back. We've got we've got three daughters and and a son. He's number three, and boys, we found develop a bit differently. And uh, he had his growth spurt a bit later, and we just found if we had held him back an extra year we reckon that he would have been better for it. The girls, no problem at all. Um, each of them, very outgoing, very spoiled, terrific personalities that could cope with a lot of different things. Uh, but with AJ, um, no. If we had our time again, we would have held him back. And it's, I know it's probably wrong to say it, but um, um, he, boys have quick growth spurts. Um, used to he used to get really annoyed because his sister, who was three years younger than him, uh, they always used to be mistaken for twins. Oh, uh, <laughs> and and he got his growth spurt the year after he left high school. Oh. So he was always quite small in in high school. And now um, he's a strapping lad. Yeah, back that's to right. You, you he just shut up. <laughs> so uh, and his his personality, I think, would have suited being an extra extra year but isn't it funny Mm. um it's really hard to make that decision at the time it's only when it's gone on that you go yeah i wish i hadn't made the decision uh that i obviously put forward early based on a four-year-old slash five-year-old because i don't think you know really i think it summed up when my mother had said to me you don't want a 14 year old making 16 year old decisions and that's exactly what it's going to come down to because people do hold their kids back uh there's a girl in uh, in lottie's class at school who's 20 months older than her thought you were going to say she was 20 so it's nearly two years in the same class it's a a massive range massive age gap yeah so she's 10 in year six and there's kids that are already 12 and she won't be 10 for another few months so because for me there is definitely that issue about where it comes at the end but the other part about it is if this research is actually saying that children do better if they're held back but the only people who can hold them back are the ones that can afford it Mm. seems like we're we're actually setting up a huge disparity between our children because of what their parents mm. earn. Yep. Absolutely. And and that, that just brings you back to the idea that we've got to look at, at childcare in this country and how we're supporting it and how we're supporting parents of those young, you know, young age children, because this is not the kind of decision that should be made on a financial basis. And yet I'm Pretty, fairly certain it would be made even by affluent parents. Yes, um, mm. to put the kid forward because it's it's a lot of money. So, absolutely, it's a lot I, of money. When and this is a finance nerd coming out in mm. me again. I actually did the figures. Yeah, um, yep. and childcare is more expensive than send a year twelve fees in private school. Ouch. And I can, <laughs> I can think, oh, I know. And yeah. when I when I tell my told my daughters this, I said, Dad, we don't want to know. We don't even want to think about it. We'll just try yeah. try and cope. But you make a really good point. 
Um, some of the politicians, I, I think it may be the Labor Party, um, one of their uh, election promises that they've they uh, predicted coming um, was to actually start school at almost a pre-kindy area because the facilities are there and try and open up the school system more to relieve that childcare burden. Because, you know, 80 bucks a day... After, and that's on the low end. That is oh, the low 140 end. Plus after, area, tax, yeah. after tax, after tax, so you paid tax. your tax on it, even mm. though you get a bit of a rebate, but and that's tightening all the time now. Mm. It is mm. tough. I honestly don't know how we did it. Like we had three yep. kids in childcare for a number of years at the same time, and. Yeah, I'm not sure how we made that work. Thank, mm. thank goodness for grandparents. Exactly, really that's that what I was down. thinking because yeah. my son, because we held him back, but my parents also offered to take him for an extra day. So they have him three days a week yep. and he only goes two days a week, but we couldn't have afforded it otherwise. Yep. But we didn't have to think because we had the support. It just seems like... It's a bit of a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> Speaking of messes, the next topic we're talking about is doing your kids' homework, craft project, or Easter egg hat. We're not meant to do it, but sometimes it's too hard to resist. That's not the way you're supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it. This I don't way. know that way. Why would they change math? Uh, math is math. Okay, math Dad. is math. I'll just wait for Mom to get back. What? Well, she won't understand it any better than I do. Mr. Incredible struggled to help his son dash with his homework. <laughs> That's what that grab was from. But for some parents, they excel at it. Mm-hmm. Writer Bianca Wordley has a message for parents everywhere. Don't do your kids' homework. Her daughter came home disappointed because the other kids had such fabulous-looking projects, mainly because their parents actually did them. Now, I know this is sad. Parents shouldn't be doing their homework. But I suspect many parents have actually done it at some point. Koshi, (laughs) when have you stepped in to help your child with art homework, craft project? Well, how did you rate your efforts? Certainly not craft projects because I am terrible. (laughs) And I am the world's worst handyman, the worst... The world's worst artist, and I'm not crafty at all. <laughs> My wife's uh, quite crafty, and her mum was just fantastic at it. You know, would knit everything and make everything. So, um, in terms of the um, the projects, like the nature projects and all that sort of stuff, I, I, <laughs> you probably think I'm a bit of an ogre, a bit stricter. I, I refuse to help um, do any projects because. What I would do, I felt my role was being the cheerleader to say, right, do it, achieve it yourself and encourage them to keep doing it and and do it on time. It it is Mm. uh, because they've got to make their mistakes and they make some big mistakes with their projects. And my view was you almost have to let them make those mistakes and be corrected by by the teachers and and uh, but it did used to annoy me when I would see the projects of other kids and when they were hung up around the the top of the classroom and you go and visit for uh, for parent teacher days and think you know that eight year old didn't did not, do that project yeah. at all um, <laughs> and I I have a sister in law who used to do virtually all the projects and I oh, we no. we would clash on it's a we're we're a very close, very loud family, all very opinionated, um, and it's been a hot topic around our extended <laughs> family dinner table um, for many many years. Now, Bron, I we have had conversations of this ilk before. My impression is that you're probably close to. 
Koshy's approach, as in you get your kids to do their projects. Am I right? Or Yeah, absolutely. Um, not a supporter of the parent-led project, uh, although I have a little story, and that is that uh, I had the same thing happen as Bianca's daughter one time when my daughter did a really good effort, was so proud, and she came home and it was she was just in floods of tears because hers was you know not selected for the board and this kind of thing. So the next time they had a I had a project. It was to create a medieval castle. <laughs> and I thought, right, <laughs> it's on. And so I, I helped to make this medieval castle. And we made this amazing castle. It was wrapped in alfoil. It was very, you know, it was amazing. And we brought it in. I, I came in with her to take it in. Because, <laughs> you know, I just kind of, and I tell you what, the bar is high because I came in there with this parent-led project and damn if someone hadn't got a working drawbridge going oh, on there. Oh, and Lottie and I stood there with this thing and I just thought, you can't win. So we had a big laugh and that night I explained, never again. Okay, I can't I can't take That's the so pressure. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of Rocker Stedford. Were your kids ever involved in Rocker Stedford? No, oh. no. So I did that as a kid and you, you just, the public schools could not compete against the private schools because the public schools would come with their hand-sewn outfits and then there would be like, you know, you just can't, it's not a level playing field, is it? No. Well, it's just not the same amount of pressure. I mean, at the same, you know, I thought, doing the project, you still kind of had to make it look as if your kid might have had yeah. a hand in it. Yeah, of course. So I didn't realise so, you... So you deliberately made some mistakes. <laughs> yeah, we're just kind of, you know, dumped it down Otherwise slightly. you would have done the drawbridge, <laughs> um, Otherwise I would have won. <laughs> oh, sorry, would have done well. What do the teachers think, though? I had that very conversation because um, I actually obviously wrote about this, as, I, as you do, <laughs> and I interviewed uh, Lottie's teacher and she said, you know, Bron, what are we supposed to do? Your hands are tied. The kids can yeah. all see that the working Drawbridge Castle is far superior to any other. You can't act as if it's not. And you also can't call that kid out in front of everyone and say, well, you're getting a B because your mum did it. So the teachers are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place as well. And consequently, we all end up with... Oh, the pressure, you know. Can I just say that I think that both your approaches to parenting are good examples of parenting and your children were probably more resilient for it. I feel like I wouldn't do the project because it's too much effort for me. <laughs> so does that make me a good parent by default? Yes. It does? Yes, okay. yes it does. I'll go with that. And I have Surely. to, I'll confess that even now when they're in high school, I like to have a little edit you know, a little edit of the essay before it goes oh, in. I bet you do. And sometimes the edit's a little bit more helpful than other times, you know. Like, I so you don't, so you don't say, have you thought of this or heading in that yeah, direction? I do. Oh, and some good. children are more amenial to that than, than others. So, yeah. See, I think that's yeah. fair enough, so a guiding you, hand. Did you help yeah. your kids with economics, Koshi? Um well, a little bit, and geography and history and things like that, because I'm passionate about it. Probably the greatest um, gift I ever uh, gave my four kids is that they all love reading. They're mm-hmm. massive readers. They still are as adults. Mm-hmm. And my grandkids, that's been passed on to them. And just to encourage an inquiring mind mm-hmm. with projects as well and sort of steer them in a direction, oh, have you thought of this? Go and research it. I think that's... A great way to parent. Yeah, well, yeah. hopefully, yeah. I'll, you know, yeah, we'll little, check back in later. Competitive spark in me comes yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we'll talk about sandcastles. Yeah. Okay. not, you know, do you get competitive on that level? My, <laughs> my husband does, but anyway, can I just say, in terms of competition with your children, just throwing my husband under the bus here, um, he has running races with my daughter, and he won't let her win. <laughs> What's that about? 
That's no idea. What is that about? That's that's teaching them to be a good loser. <laughs> well, he's not a good that loser. Was not sure. <laughs> no step ups in your family, Jeff. <laughs> no, obviously. All right. Well, children really know how to push um, our buttons. Sometimes they even do it by accident, like when they get really angry and yell. Up next, Koshi and Bron will reveal how they deal with yelling children. Parenting, they say, takes a village. It's about experimenting and finding out what works best for your child. You don't learn when you're scared. So all those strategies under the guise of discipline, they're counterproductive. Feed, Play, Love is the bite-sized parenting podcast that's a village in your pocket. Short interviews with experts and real parents about everything from managing tantrums to making sure you get regular date nights. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Feed, Play, Love. Are you yelling at me? No! Are you yelling at me in my own house? You take that time with me! Whoa, stop yelling at me! That I was not expecting. Well, that was terrifying. When you become a parent, you step into a role that's pretty special. You get love, hugs, badly made dinner plates and mugs and things like that. You also get blamed for a lot of things like cutting the toast the wrong way and other ridiculous things you never thought you'd be in trouble for. Um, You also get yelled at when you turn off the TV or something like that. Bron, how do you or have you responded to your child when they yell? Are you the calm parent who takes a few deep breaths? Do you refuse to engage? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I have to say, okay, the the thing that I think when my kids yell is that's when the guilt comes out. I am a yeller. Yeah, we're a passionate family. That's how I like to explain it. I'm very, <laughs> very hot-tempered, enthusiastic, you know, in my in my directions for my children. Um, and when they yell and I hear it, it's like I'm looking in a mirror. So mm. I, I tend, I think, yeah, I, I, I come over like all remorseful and say, why, you, you know that's not going to work. Does it work when mummy yells at you? <laughs> Does it? And they go, no. I say, well, why are you yelling at me? And that's... <laughs> Really how that goes down. And I feel terrible about it because they've learnt that behaviour from me. But at least you see that reflected. My husband just yells back at my daughter, don't yell at me! And I think, can you see the irony? He's coming across real well today. (laughs) I know. Your man. Well, well, you know what? We'll find out if he actually listens because he'll be coming up to me going, "Uh, excuse me. He also cooks every night, okay? He's a good man. He's a good, good man. Does the grocery shopping. Have oh. I made up for the bad? Yes, you have. Such a good okay. man. I think <laughs> um, well, yes, I'm pretty loud as well. I know no. exactly where you're coming from, Bronwyn. <laughs> no, exactly. Lib is the calm, to, uh, the calmer one mm-hmm. of both of us. So I usually uh, make an exit stage left because mm. I go, otherwise, this is just going to get into a yelling match between the two of us um, and leave it to Lib to settle down and be the independent arbiter. Yes, um, right. if you like. So she's, she's, if you like the, um, the circuit breaker, if I, cause I'm, I'm reasonably old fashioned and think that boundaries, and I'm pretty strict on boundaries with the kids, boundaries are a sign of love. Um, they actually say to a child, someone cares about you enough to set boundaries, but Hey, they're black and white. There's there's no grey. Lib is more a grey type person. Mm. Uh, and if anything, um, our parenting techniques were probably the biggest cause of arguments between her and I. 
Um, ra- rather than with the kids. <laughs> yes. Because I would be the seen as the really strict one. And she'd go, well, you know, yes, there's a time to be strict, but no, there are other times where why don't you go grey? And you go, well, no, because this is the, way this is the boundary. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, so my question is with that approach to parenting, is it the same as how you approach grandparenting? Uh, probably not. <laughs> I can, well, I can tell you definitely not. Um, it is, but also, like, life is all about stages. Okay. When you're a parent, uh, we often say to our kids, it would be great to have kids when you're a grandparent mm-hmm. because, you know, you've got so much more wisdom. Uh, the stress of building an early career isn't with you. The juggling of the, uh, of the family budget just to get by. Um, puts a lot of pressure on a relationship, let alone the ripple effect of that relationship on onto the kids. So, um, grandparents are, are much more comfortable in this in their skin. You've had all that experience with your own kids, and I think you're better parents as, as a grandparent. It's a better, luxury of grandparents, don't yeah. you think that you can oh, be a little totally. bit more. Oh, exactly yeah. right. Ultimately, exactly right. you're not responsible. No. No. They're not really a reflection oh, hang on. on you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, uh, let's, let's, uh, Hang on. Our greatest fear is something happening to your grandchild on your yeah, watch. Yeah, that's true. Oh, oh true. my yeah, okay. God. Could you imagine? The stress. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, my, my oh, son-in-law um, um, was looking after their, their youngest just a couple of weeks ago while... While Bree took her eldest to a birthday party, and um, he let Teddy go on his scooter without his helmet, Teddy, Teddy stacked it oh. and knocked out the front three teeth. Oh, a dad well, moment! Oh, <laughs> well, well, I, I had to had to ring my daughter up and say, "Hey." He's going to live with this for the rest of his life. Mm. Uh, he feels bad enough as it is. Don't be too harsh on it. He's obviously called in the reinforcements. <laughs> he's got on the phone and said, this has happened. Yeah, because Lib's a nurse. So rang Lib first. Get the grandparents in. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. That's that when was... you do. You, that's Those moments you call the real parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you bring them in. <laughs> <laughs> to try uh, and melt it. I think they've just started talking to it. No. no <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he, were these his baby teeth? Uh, yes. So they'll grow. Yeah, yeah, They'll yeah. get other teeth. But, yeah, yeah, they've got five years to look at this kid. <laughs> He's going to be one of those kids. <laughs> Maybe he'll be a really good whistler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a very cute kid. So yeah, right. we'll get away with that. Oh, yep. Bless him. All right. Our final topic in just a moment, mother-in-laws. Do they really deserve their generally bad <laughs> reputation? She's living upstate with my mother-in-law who won't let her come down to see me. This is uh, my future father-in-law, Gerald. Oh, my favorite daughter-in-law now. My mother-in-law would never want to hang out with me all day. In-laws, generally, don't get a very good rap. Mother-in-laws in particular are often portrayed as busybodies who are adept at crossing every boundary known to mankind. Now, I have to preface my question to you, Koshi, by saying my mother-in-law is amazing because she's probably the only person who listens to every piece of audio I ever make. Uh-huh. You're wonderful, Loretta. <laughs> and this is not that about is so you. so diplomatic. <laughs> It's not oh, about you, Loretta. You, you know it. You are such a greaser. <laughs> oh, she's good. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not going to do a topic like this without a disclaimer. Koshi, are you a good father-in-law? 
Um, oh, a, a good father-in-law, yes. I am a good father-in-law. What because, does that look like? No, no, no. A good father-in-law is building a relationship with, with your sons-in-law. Um, we were really lucky with our two eldest daughters um, who are married. My son gets married next week, would you believe? Wow. In, in, in Mexico. <gasps> but he's marrying a Mexican. Oh. We're not doing. We're not going to Mexico for a wedding a, just to be a toss, to be a tosser. <laughs> we're, we're going because just thought you'd put that out there. <laughs> he's. We're getting married in. Uh, they're getting married in her hometown. Oh, that'll be so, so we're, nice which, are, which is the town of Tequila. So Can I that's have a good time? Can in I a tequila to carry your bags? Yeah. I want to go. How so, much fun. so it should be great. But um, funnily enough, we have four. Four kids, as I said before, and my two oldest daughters married blokes who were part of four kids. So we really liked it because your greatest fear as a parent is that you bring up this really close family and you want them, all the kids to get on. Mm. But your greatest fear is they marry somebody or go into a relationship with somebody who's either intimidated by the family or wants to compete with it for affection, all that sort of thing. Um, But we were lucky that they just both fell in love with guys who knew how big family worked and weren't intimidated by it. And so um, I've done the Kokoda track with one of my sons-in-law. I've done Kilimanjaro with another one. And it's, you know, they're, they're great mates. through the pain. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I know. You're really, I know how you're I feel really... if Loretta asked me to do that. I'd be like, can we just go and get a pedicure? Loretta's at home going, no. It's right. <laughs> but i got, I got to say, Lib's mum. Yeah. Um, I used to, when I started on Sunrise, would affectionately call her the dragon. And, um, <laughs> and, and she was a bit horrified to start with. But then, <laughs> but then everyone at the golf club and the bowls club would be laughing at it. It was all oh, in a good. She must have loved it. Was, yeah, <laughs> oh, she did in such a good-natured way. She became oh, a no. bit of a celebrity, but she was always a great support for us. Yeah. Um, particularly when we had kids early, and uh, I think that's why Lib and I are very conscious of doing that right thing as grandparents, just mm. to help ease some of the stress. Mm. Bryn, what's your take on mother-in-laws? Well, okay. Well, my mother, I, I'm married to an Italian, so I have an Italian mother-in-law, so which is kind of like next level well, mother-in-law. The way you said that then, <laughs> I have an Italian mother. <laughs> no, I know what you I mean. Just, yeah, that's kind of yeah. It is this next level mother-in-lawing. I think. Yeah. Um, they're it's they're an interesting subspecies. I I've just come off living with them for the last six months, so I'm not in a good place really to answer this. <laughs> no, you're in the perfect it was place. Tough. You know, but that said, they've been nothing but a support, and she's definitely. Um, I, well, the I, I would say Italian mother-in-law martyr. They're very. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's no trouble for me to do all of the washing up while you're sit around enjoying yourselves after dinner. I'll just be right here in the kitchen getting all hot and sweaty. But don't get up. This is in an what Italian do you do accent. with that? What do you do with that? You stay sitting around and <laughs> because it's like you know, you made your bed, lady. <laughs> Hold on, no. did she make your bed if you were staying of with course. her? But but okay, so I just have to put this she also sewed a hole in my underpants. So let's just <laughs> let's just leave it there. You know how we've all got Whoa. the we've all got the backup undies, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. 
You know, we've all got did the background. Did you ask her to do that or did she just find it and go, no, here we go? They just appeared in my washing pile, neatly folded and okay. sewn. And so, then they were in the bin immediately. All right. So <laughs> what do you say to your partner in that situation? How, how do you, and I hope you never, when you argue, mm. never say you're just like your mother. Oh never. My, oh never. Good. Never. Never, never, never. You should, Bromwell, look at you me. Know, <laughs> look at me. The great You've thing never about said that. Is never said it. He gets it, though. Like, he, right. he gets it. He understands his mum. She's a wonderful woman. Yep. And you know, Bart's from this amazing Italian family. They can't do enough for you, yep, obviously. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he kind of gets it. He gets that, you know, it's a, it's a tricky relationship. She's also got an incredibly thick, thick accent. And occasionally I struggle to understand it, even though we've been together for like 22 years. Um, so it's a very complex relationship. But I have to say that, that that martyring, I do find myself doing it occasionally with my own kids now that they're getting older. And it stops me in my tracks every time. I am yep. not going to be that mother. And I'm definitely not yep. going to be that mother-in-law because it drives me bonkers. Yeah, but yeah. the martyr syndrome is a pretty good card to play at times. It's like, oh, yeah, it is. We can't, we can't resist it's be a bit, really. Yeah, yeah, a bit subtle, right. maybe. Yeah, I'm know. okay, you know. <laughs> Let me sew this hole in your underwear. Oh, stop. <laughs> Very awkward. Very awkward. <laughs> All right, well, that was our last topic for the show. But before I let you guys leave, um, Bron, where can people find your parenting wisdom online? Oh, my parenting wisdom online is at Mum Life uh, on Facebook at Mum Life Mag, and then you'll be able to find the uh, links over to the website. And, and stuff. is that your? Is that where we find you on socials, doing all your stuff on Instagram? Doing my stuff. I oh, know I don't do Instagram. Don't you? No, I don't like it. I'm not visual. You're not a visual. Uh, you're a writer. Fair yeah, enough. I, I and I'm, not, I'm not pretty enough. Do you do? Instagram. Uh, do you do I Twitter? Have, I have no no disillusions about Instagram. I am not pretty enough, so I don't go there. <laughs> and I'm fine. I'm totally do you do Twitter? on Insta now. I I, I used to. Yeah. That's a long story. Yeah, no. Right. for another time. I'm, 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 I'm about to get off that too. <laughs> <laughs> so grumpy these days. Yeah, oh. but Koshi, uh, you've just released your book. So tell yep. us about it. Where can okay. people find it? Um, good and bad bookstores. I, I don't discriminate. <laughs> um, and, and it's really designed for the average Australian family who's doing it tough to afford a date night at the end of the month or take the kids on a holiday and... Um, or under a bit of financial pressure, and and people fear financial pressure, and often that brings them to a bit of paralysis. They stick their head in the sand and go, "Oh, I hope it just goes away." And often it gets worse. So this is just a step, simple step by step guide to make sure you're getting absolute value for dollar of everything you earn. Ideas on how to earn a bit more. So you can take your kids on the holidays or have a date night at the end of the month. Oh, I like that. And it's 11 steps. So um, we'll put where you can find the book on the episode notes of this show. And we'll also put a link to Mum Life in there. Koshi, Bron, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. It was fun. I'm Siobhan Hunt. You can find me at Siobhan Hunt. See you next time. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a babyology podcast hosted and written by Siobhan Hunt. Produced and edited by Elise Cooper. For more information on the show, or maybe you want to do a deep dive onto previous episodes, you can find out all you need to know on our website. Head to babyology.com.au slash parent panel. See you next time.